Welcome to the Mountain Park Church Podcast. We're excited to share this week's message with you. Our mission is to allow God to work in and through us, and we'd love to hear your story of how God has been working in or through you. Email us at mystory@mp.church and tell us how God has been working in and through you. I want you to turn with me if you can. I, there's, I mentioned to you that, that this week I had this just powerful, powerful time um, with the presence of God at home as I was just doing some studying and reading. And um, we are kind of working our way through the book of Colossians. And um, if you have your Bible, you can turn with me in the New Testament to that. If you do not, then that's okay. It'll be on the screen behind me. But this book of Colossians is, is Paul's way to kind of draw a few lines in the sand. It's Paul's way to remind these younger Christians of the power and authority of Jesus, of his supremacy, that he's above all. Alex read a bunch from that this morning. But it's also Paul's way to remind these young Christians that they need to continually be in a process of coming back to where they started with Jesus. So often in our lives, after we've walked for a little while as a Christian, if you've been a Christian for more than a month, you know that it's just easy to get sucked off of the trajectory that we should be on and to to begin to focus our attention on all of these other superficial things and forget the person in the middle who's Jesus. And so Paul writes this and he says, look, I don't want you to forget. I don't want you to get distracted by all this other stuff in life. I want you to remember that everything, everything points back to Jesus. And in chapter two, starting in verse uh, 16. We're going to start there and we're going to do a little bit of reading. Paul has just spent some time reminding them of who Jesus is, reminding them that they need to come back to their first love, reminding them that their focus needs to be Jesus. And he says in verse 16, therefore, let no one pass judgment on you in questions of food or drink or with regard to a festival or a new moon or Sabbath. These are a shadow of the things to come, but the substance belongs to Christ. So Paul is saying, like, there's some good stuff that you can get involved in. There's some good things that you can spend your time working on and and investing in, but there's nothing that you can invest in that will ever replace the presence of Jesus in your life. There's nothing good that you can invest in in your life that will ever replace him. And Paul in this section is outlining some religious practices that the people of that day in the ancient Near East would, would, would live. And, and so Paul is taking aim at some of these religious practices. He's taking aim at tradition. He's taking aim at, at these doctrines of self-help. And, and he begins to take a look at angel worship. And he begins to take a look at um, what we do to, to be pious and, and religious on the external. And he's saying, look, don't get distracted by those things. Even when those things are good, they still don't replace 
Jesus in your life. He says, let no one disqualify you. Verse 18, insisting on asceticism. That word just means uh, people that practice piety, like being humble, people that practice um, denying themselves. You can think of the monks of the early church who would, like there's some monks, I forget what his name is, but he felt like God was calling him to stand on a pole, like 20 feet up in the air. That was his act of worship, was to deny everything else in his life, stand on a pole so that he could somehow in his mind demonstrate his commitment to Christ. And so Paul is saying all of that stuff that you think is your display of your righteousness, is your display of your holiness, is your display of your commitment to God, all of it, you can just toss it out. Because at the end of the day, Jesus isn't impressed. He's not impressed when we show these things on the external. He's not impressed when we fast a lot. He's not impressed when we deny ourselves. He's not impressed when we, when we trumpet holiness around us, like, I'm not going to do that. I'm not going to do that. I'm not going to. He's not impressed by that. Do you know why? Because he knows your heart anyway. He doesn't get impressed by the things that, 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 that we hold around us that we think validate our faith. And Paul is reminding these Colossians, look, don't, don't get distracted. I think under the surface here, under the surface here, there's, there's this current running for Paul. And actually, if you read the whole book, it's there, I believe. There's this current running that Paul is alluding to that relates to God's principle of sowing and reaping. What you invest your time in you will reap back. And Paul is warning these young Christians. He's warning them and he's saying, look, don't think that investing your time in appearing holy or righteous or religious is going to produce any fruit in your life. It's not. There's this immutable law of God that says what is planted grows and comes to life. Our problem is that we believe that we can sow seed and invest in things that we might even know aren't good. Our problem is that we think once it gets buried under the dirt that somehow God is miraculously going to change that seed to something that's good. And so we spend our whole time in our life, we spend our time sowing seeds and then coming to church and praying for a crop failure so we can start over. And God says, no, 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 no. It doesn't work that way. What you invest your time into, what you sow your time into, where your heart and your devotion are, those things will determine what happens in your life, the direction of your life, the fruitfulness of your life. Those things will determine it. And so Paul is saying, don't get distracted by trying to put on a show for Jesus. He's not impressed. Invest in him and then watch what happens. 
I was reminded of Matthew 6.33. My dad used to quote this. I'm, I'm sure every night when he would pray for me for bed, seek first the kingdom of God. Seek first. If you invest in Jesus, you are planting seeds that will reap a harvest that you can't imagine. I want you to turn with me, if you can, to the book of Luke. It's just a few chapters, pages over to the left. And um, Luke 19. We see this principle on display in a powerful way in Luke 19. That whole chapter is a chapter where Jesus is illustrating the law of sowing and reaping. And what you invest your time into, you'll get a return on. But I want you to find verse 41 with me, Luke 19, 41. This, this week, hit me like a ton of bricks. And speaking of Jesus, when he drew near and saw the city, Jerusalem is what he's talking about. He wept over it, saying, Would that you, even you, had known on this day the things that make for peace. So he's looking at this city that is so cherished and beloved by God, by himself. And he's saying, if you only knew what would bring peace into your life, if you only knew what had the power to end the destructive forces railing against you, if you only knew what would bring you hope and peace. But now they are hidden from your eyes, for the day will come upon you when your enemies will set up a barricade around you and surround you and hem you in on every side and tear you down to the ground. Jesus is prophetically speaking of the destruction of Jerusalem, which did happen after his lifetime. They will not leave one stone upon another in you. And then if you have your Bible, circle this word because. This is what just hit me like a ton of bricks. Because you did not know the time of your visitation. Another translation says you did not recognize who was right in front of you. So Jesus is speaking out over this city that is the epicenter of religious practice. He's speaking out over this city that is, is wears uh, like a badge of honor that they're like the city of God. And he's, he's looking out over the city and he's looking at them and he's going, if you would only get it, I'm standing right here in front of you. And yet you're distracted by all this other stuff All this other stuff you think will bring you closer to me, but I'm standing here. And in essence, he's saying you're sowing the wrong things. You're sowing into the wrong things. And because you're sowing them, you're going to reap what you sow. You're going to reap death and destruction and discouragement and frustration and demoralization, you're going to reap them because you're not sowing into the right things and I'm standing in front of you. And I just felt like Jesus reminding me this week, just saying, Andrew, it's not about what you can do for me. 
It's about who I am in you. And if you would focus your attention on me and not get distracted and, and not wear these things like, like great clothing. I, I, have, I lost my train of thought there, so that was a horrible example. But not wear these things around you that give you the appearance. I'm going to tell you a story and it's only because I trust you, and it's only because half the other church isn't here. <laughs> I was asking for a reminder this morning from God of any stories and that would illustrate this. And I will let my shame be your laugh in this situation. Tim, is, he, he's excited already. Um, speaking of thinking that we can just cover up or hide behind. I, I was reminded this morning, um, growing up, I always thought that I had to put on this external perfection for people. In fact, um, as a youngster, I, I would, uh, every morning, I had a, a bathroom routine that was as long as my sister's was in like grade five, in grade four, grade six, grade seven. and. Um, and I really cared about my hair and the way I looked. I cared about my appearance. And every morning, in like junior high, right? So when everybody else is showing up to school and they've literally just rolled out of bed, we didn't wear our jammy pants back then, but they do now. But when everybody else is showing up with bedhead and all of that stuff, I'd be spending like 30 minutes doing my hair, and I every day would use one of those diffusers on the blow dryer. Some of uh, you women might know what I'm talking about. Most of the guys won't. But the diffuser basically just helps control the flow of air so it doesn't ruin your hairdo while you're trying to dry your hair. And I would use that every morning. I would go through this elaborate process to get myself ready for school, trying to put on this appearance of perfection for everybody. And I remember in grade nine, we lived in Saskatoon, and for the first time ever, this girl was coming over that I had an interest in, I had a, a crush on, and she came over. I gotta be careful how I tell this. She came over, and not long into her being there, I had to step out and use the men's room in our home. And I was a bit mortified by this because our home wasn't very big and I had to go to the bathroom really bad. And um, so I'm in there and I finish doing what I need to do. And I'm worried that when I come out, the aroma will follow me from out of the bathroom. And so I'm, I told you this, is, this, this will turn out well in the end, trust me or not. So I'm in there and I'm, I'm literally going, what do I do? What do I do? What do I do? What do I do? I don't want to embarrass myself. I don't want, you know, I don't want her to know all of these things. So on the back of the toilet, there's an aerosol can and it's citrus bathroom spray. So for whatever reason, I still don't know. I get this idea that if I spray myself, in certain regions with that, that it'll, it'll be good. I may come down smelling like an orange, but it's better than the alternative. And so I proceed to shake the aerosol can and cover 
myself with that. And I'm, I'm good to go, I'm happy. I come downstairs and I sit on the couch and this burning sensation <laughs> just starts to overwhelm me. And I'm sitting there with her and I'm just kind of twisting and turning and I, I like, I, I'm so uncomfortable because it's burning so bad. <laughs> Finally, I had to go back to the bathroom and like try and wash off the spray that I had put on thinking that I would be able to cover up and to mask what was actually happening. And this morning, I, I just, <laughs> now I'm, I'm not sure why I told that story, but I, I just feel like in some way God was saying to me, Andrew, that's what you've done so many times. You think that just spritzing that little thing is going to cover up what's happening or what has happened. You think that if you were vulnerable with me, I feel like God's saying that, you think that if you're vulnerable with me, that somehow that's gonna backfire? Do you think that somehow your attempts to do good and to be good and to appear like you have it all together, that they're somehow going to be effective? They're not. I'm going to invite the worship team to come back up. As Paul is challenging these young Christians, he's saying, look, what you invest your time into matters. Your life matters. What you do with it matters. And he's imploring these young believers, please, please don't get sucked in to playing the game of religion and tradition when Jesus is inviting you, when he's welcoming you into his presence and saying, look, I'm here. And yet I feel like so often we're more like that city of Jerusalem that stays really busy, keeping ourselves busy with trying to look right and act right and pray right and go to church right and do all of these things right. We, we keep ourselves so busy and we don't know or realize that Jesus is standing right there. And he's just saying, look, if you'd invest in me and in my presence, I want to bring a return to your life that you can't imagine. Jesus is just saying, my potential is limitless, inexhaustible, unfathomable. But you've got to start looking for me. And you've got to see me where I can be found. And you've got to invest yourself into me. Anything else for you and I is less than he would want for us.
Paul goes on to say, if with Christ you died, why as if you were still alive in the world do you submit to its regulations? Do not handle, do not taste, do not touch. According to the human precepts and teachings, to have an appearance of wisdom in promoting self-made religion and asceticism and severity to the body, but they are of no value in stopping the indulgences of the flesh. If then you've been raised with Christ, seek the things that are above where Christ is seated at the right hand of God. Why don't you stand with me I believe that his call to us today, I believe that his invitation to us today is that we lay down those things in our life that may even appear good or important, that we'd lay them down and just say, Jesus, I want to find my way back to you. I want to find my way back to your presence. I want to find my way back to your goodness and your faithfulness. I want to find my way back to your healing and your freedom. I want to find my way back to your hope and your peace and your life. His invitation to us is to lay down everything else. His gospel is a costly gospel. In fact, he says it'll cost you your very life. And his invitation is not to do a little bit of this and a little bit of that and to play around with this and play around with that. His invitation is to lay your life down. Your hopes and your dreams, your loves, your desires, the things that you think bring you validation and acceptance and the things you think bring you piety and holiness, to lay them down. and reorient yourself to the person who is the Prince of Peace. We hope that you are challenged and inspired by what you heard today, and that you're willing to allow God to work in and through your life in bigger ways this week. We'd love to stay connected with you on social media, facebook.com slash mountainparkchurch and instagram.com slash mountainparkchurch. Finally, if you have a story of how God has been working in and through you, we'd love to hear it. Just email us at mystory@mp.church and tell us how God has been working in your life lately.